Take a deep breath, take the higher road That's what they always say, as if they know the way They won't take it from me But don't ever doubt yourself, it's life ain't just a dream You make your own, so kick and scream The people will like with a never-ending force You never had the chance, so what you waiting for? The day has come, my friend, cause this is war Welcome to the Thursday edition of Nurses Out Loud with Nurse Michelle. Remember, we are here Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. and 11 p.m. Eastern with a different nurse host daily. We want to hear from our listeners. We want to hear from the people. Perhaps your story is one that needs to be told. Our goal is to make the truth known on Nurses Out Loud. Everywhere we go, we hear stories of injustice suffered by the people since 2020. You have inside information and eyewitness testimonies of how unconstitutional policies negatively impacted you specifically and your community. If you want to come on here on Nurses Out Loud anonymously, we understand. Nurses and medical professionals, come and tell the people what you know. Change can only come by first making the truth known. It is up to each of us to make sure what happened in 2020 through 2022 never happens again. Send us an email with your story and contact information to americaoutloud.com slash nursesoutloud. We will reach out to you. You often hear me say courage is rare, but remember courage is contagious. So be brave and do something. Well, today our guest that I have with us has another quote regarding courage that we all need to be reminded of. And what he says is courage is not bravery without fear, but courage is bravery with fear. And that's from a book that he's published that we'll talk about in a minute. But today I have with me Dr. Scott Jensen of Minnesota and Dr. Jensen served on the Minnesota Senate from 2017 to 2021 and was the vice chair of health and human services committee there. He was also the Republican governor candidate in 20 in the 22 election that just passed by. And he's got some interesting things to tell us about that. And he is presently pursuing litigation against one of the bureaucratic organizations that regulate medical doctors in Minnesota. And we're going to hear all about that today. So welcome, Dr. Jensen. Thank you very much, Nurse Michelle. I appreciate it. It's good to be on your show. Yes, yeah, so thankful to have you here. Um, there's a, I'm going to have his bio included in our show notes for people to do that. But I do want you all to know that Dr. Jensen has been practicing family medicine in Minnesota for 35 years, and this is where he and his wife, Mary, a small animal veterinarian, raised their three children. They have three children, um, Christy, who's an anesthesiologist, Matt, who's an estate attorney, and Jackie, who is a family doctor. And he's served on many organizations as board members of chairs, including school boards and Rotary Club, Lions Club, several chambers of commerce 
commerce and bank boards. We're talking about a doctor with a stellar reputation and this doctor has been under attack. And I'd love to hear where we will start today with Dr. Uh, Jensen in 2020, where you found yourself and what was the wake up call for you that something was going wrong and what happened in your neck of the woods? Well, thank you. I would just want to preface it by saying I'm a small town kid growing up in the southern part of Minnesota in a town called Sleepy Eye. This was in the Midwestern Plains. I went to public school. I was at the University of Minnesota for undergraduate. And then I went into dental school and I I liked the biochemistry and the anatomy, but I wasn't crazy about teeth. So I left and I went to the seminary for a year. That was the year I made the decision to go into medicine. And I also asked my girlfriend if she'd marry me. And we've been together 45 years. And then I've been a family doc uh, in the Carver County area in Minnesota, about a half hour west of Minneapolis for 35 plus years. It's interesting. I really thought that I'd done enough in politics just because I was on the school board for a decade. I'd been chair of the school board and taken a few slings and arrows because people can get pretty passionate about school board issues. But in 2000. 15, I was recruited to run for the Senate in the state of Minnesota. I declined for a couple of months praying about it and uh, desperately trying to feel comfortable saying no, because it came from right field. And I thought, I've got other things I'd rather do. But in the end, I felt a little bit of those words from Exodus 4.14, where it says, God's anger smoldered. And I felt like I was being recruited by people that I respected immensely that I should do this. And I think I was being a little stubborn about where I wanted to give my service to my my creator. And after a couple of months, I, I made the decision, okay, I think I'm supposed to do this. So fast forward 17 months to campaigning. I win my election. I end up with more votes than any other Republican senator in Minnesota. We take over the majority while I'm running, I'm notified that I've been named the family doctor of the year in Minnesota. Everything was going right. So then I get into the Senate. And in the Senate, I find out that, gee, there's a whole lot of gridlock. These people really don't want to have hard conversations because they're scared of them. So I saw a lot of things sort of put on the shelf. No, we can't talk about that, Dr. Jensen. That might be fraught with political risk. No, we can't talk about that. No, we. Can't. it got very disillusioning. So when my wife had some health challenges in 2019 and needed to have several surgeries, we had to make a decision. Was I going to run for reelection again or not? And so we decided not to, it was my time to be there for her. So I was done. I was not going to run again. I was going to finish out 2020. I was vice chair of the health and human services committee. Everything's good. Then COVID hits. When COVID hit, I was just like everyone else. I thought, wow, this is, this is stunning. I mean, this is, something you make movies about. This is something authors write books about. And I, as everybody else said, okay, well, if what we need to do is lock everything down for two weeks to flatten the curve and not overwhelm the healthcare facilities, I guess that's what we have to do. But literally within that two-week time frame, you could start to see politics getting involved. Someone's profession, say landscaping, was originally said, you're essential, you can continue working. And that was reversed. Now you can't work. You're not essential. You're not safe. Then it was reversed again. From one lockdown to the next, you'd see a change of course. 
At the same time, in April of 2020, I got a letter from the Department of, actually an email from the Department of Health suggesting that we revise the way we do death certificates if COVID-19 is possibly involved. Make a long story short, I raised my hand, so to speak. I didn't intend to be some big whistleblower, but I just said, hey, there is a box on the death certificate form where we're supposed to put contributing conditions, whether it's asthma or emphysema or influenza, congestive heart failure, diabetes, tobacco use, whatever. But in this suggestion from the Department of Health, we were told, if you believe that COVID-19 was a contributing cause, you can put it down as a cause of death. And I said, no, if we don't think it's a cause of death, it should go in the contributing condition box. For instance, Michelle, if I have a heart attack tomorrow and a month from now I fall into congestive heart failure because so much of the heart muscle was destroyed during the heart attack, and four months from now I'm doing poorly because I lost so much heart muscle that now my congestive heart failure is end-stage heart failure, and I'm not a candidate for transplantation, and I make my decision to go on hospice, say my goodbyes, and live out whatever days I have left. And then in the last 48 hours of my life, as I'm dwindling, I'm exposed to someone with COVID. And in my last 12 hours of life, I, I do some coughing. Well, let me tell you that what the death certificate should say is that my underlying cause of death was coronary artery disease, which led to a heart attack, which led to congestive heart failure, which led to my death. Now, if I want to really highlight COVID, I could maybe put COVID as the last thing on that list. So the congestive heart failure led to COVID-19 being this vulnerable state. Mm -hmm. But frankly, I would always put COVID, I would put something like COVID exposure in the last 24 hours in the contributing condition box, leave it at that. But the underlying cause of death would be coronary artery disease. This is where the Department of Health and the CDC went wrong. And I, I called them out on it. And I got crickets. No response at all. So you reached out to them. because, And I, if I'm not mistaken, you are a professor for 30 plus years. You've been teaching medical students how to fill out death reports yourself. Not only have you been doing it for multiple years, you're teaching people how to do it. So you know what you're talking about. You know what you're asking. Exactly. And I wasn't trying to be any big guru on it. It's not that hard to do, but I do take a death certificate seriously. And if you look at the data from the CDC, what the CDC says in the physician manual regarding the completion of death certificates is the physician's job is to, with as much precision as possible, identify the initiating event that began that demise pathway. And that's what we do. Well, certainly in a person who's dying of congestive heart failure, the initiating event is not COVID. And this is what I said. And then I, I ended up saying that in a TV broadcast. And then Laura Ingram had me on her channel and, and her news. And I said something about, you know, someone is hit by a bus and they've got two collapsed lungs. And while they're getting uh, inputted into the ER, a bunch of lab work is done. A couple of chest x-rays are done. The patient's being supported. Airways being secured. Blood work comes back showing you know, this and that, and a COVID test comes back showing it's positive, and the patient dies in the next 30 minutes because of bilateral collapsed lungs, you certainly would not want me putting down that this patient died of COVID-19. Right. The patient died of a bus accident. 
Well, this really got things going. So two months after this, if you will. Appearance. <laughs> after the news appearance, you got some attention. Yeah, then my license was being investigated for the first time in my life. And so I ended up having five different investigations over the next two and a half years. One of the investigations took place just as the my campaign for governor was taking uh, hold. Because once COVID hit, I became so much of a voice for so many people that people asked me if I'd please consider running for governor. And again, I said, no, I, I said, no, probably for four to six months. But in the end, in December of 2020, my wife and I made the decision that this seemed to be reflecting of those words of Esther 414. Perhaps we were in the position we were in for such a time as this. Indeed. So we said yes. And so we began to plan a uh, governor campaign. And at that time, the Board of Medical Practice for the fifth time was investigating me. All the other investigations had taken place fairly quickly, but not this one. This time, no response at all. I, I submitted my response. They asked for a little bit more information. I gave it. And in December of 2021, I received nothing for the next 11 months in terms of initiating any kind of communication from the Board of Medical Practice. But during that time, I was running for governor. During that time, the incumbent Democrat governor of Minnesota, Tim Walls, would tweet something to the effect that Dr. Scott Jensen's being investigated for the fifth time by the Minnesota Board of Medical Practice. He's not for Minnesota. So they were using these investigations as political ploys to, to create in the minds of some of the voters that I was not worthy, that I was extreme. Yeah, let's so, address that for a moment. So for people to understand, if you're not in the medical community listening, um, you may think I've had some bad doctors in the past and I never went to the effort of actually going to the trouble of reporting that doctor. And I've had some pretty legitimate reasons to report a doctor as a nurse and people don't go to that effort. But let's inform the public about just how easy it is for somebody to do an anonymous tip. And you don't even have any accountability or proof, but you still get investigated. This was not a person that ever received a healthcare service from me. This was someone who didn't like my politics. This was someone who was saying, I'm going to use the Minnesota Board of Medical Practice to come against Jensen. I'm going to try to shut him up. I'm going to weaponize them and make his life miserable so that instead of having the time to go out and meet people and talk about the issues of the day, he's going to be at his desk composing his next response to the Board of Medical. Practice. Let's talk about that. So we're talking about medical boards being weaponized by what looks like easily a, a political opponent for somebody running for a, a political position. So how wonderful is that, that you could actually play dirty like that, go weaponize a medical institution? And the thing is, is why would these bureaucrats be so willing to do that? Just like I would question the nursing boards in the country who literally have weaponized themselves against many of the nurses who stood up for certain things that we could talk about later. But there has been a lot of people who have tried to stand up for the patient throughout 2020, 2021. And Instead of these boards honoring the medical professionals that are out there advocating for patients in the midst of a, a pandemic that supposedly is going to be threatened the lives of all of America, you would think we would be being honored and you would be being honored for what you're trying to do. And instead, 
the individuals that make up these boards are happily following somebody's orders um, and and letting themselves be weaponized. So I'm not sure if you want to expound on that a little bit more about how that happened, but that's definitely what we're saying this particular individual has experienced. And without anybody knowing, you think, okay, just because a doctor got himself reported doesn't mean he's legitimately guilty of anything. And in your case, all those uh, inquiries have found nothing wrong. Is that not correct? You're absolutely right. And yet, when I had a, a podcast visit with Dr. Jordan Peterson, he made the comment, Dr. Jensen, he said, if someone's investigated once, it might have been just an angry person submitting it, the complaint. If someone's investigated twice, but if someone's investigated five times, he said, human nature would be, well, gee whiz, that guy must have done something wrong. Nobody gets investigated five times if they're not doing something wrong. So I don't think there's any question that that repeat, sort of going back to the well, using the Minnesota Board of Medical Practice as a political weapon or tool, does have impact on that political person's campaign, impact, influence, even the way I do my job. So I don't think there's any question that whether or not the Board of Medical Practice realized they were being weaponized, they were being. I think that it's also important that people understand that in Minnesota, the majority of the Board of Medical Practice are political appointees of the governor. So these appointees were appointed by the Democrat incumbent governor that I was running against. So if there's a tendency for a beneficiary to have a certain appreciation to his or her benefactor, that might also come into play. But the bottom line is, I ended up having a conference with the Board of Medical Practice because this was the first time in January of 2023, I was notified that my written responses were not adequate, that there would need to be a conference with the Board of Medical Practice. I did indeed hire an attorney. We went before the board. We challenged them in advising them that there's a line between protected free speech and professional conduct as it relates to the practice of medicine. On the one side of that line, professional conduct, that indeed would be the jurisdiction of the Minnesota Board of Medical Practice. But on the other side of the line, protected free speech. If I want to say at a political rally that I've got my doubts about where the virus originated, or whether or not a cotton mask would ensure that someone would not get the disease. I get to say that. That's not telling that audience, don't wear masks. That's Scott Jensen as a campaigner or a senator speaking freely. That's information that I have basis for based on OSHA studies and a variety of other things. So this was the big deal when we went before the Minnesota Board of Medical Practice about a month ago. And the board, after a 90-minute conversation and a recess, came back and said, all 18 allegations are dismissed. The case is closed. So here we sit. What would prevent Scott Jensen from being investigated a seventh time? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. So I made a challenging and difficult decision that I cannot let this 
lie quietly. This has been an arduous process that's taken up more than 2,000 hours of my life. So my attorney and I and our legal team have made a decision that we are going to file suit against the Minnesota Attorney General, Keith Ellison, and the Minnesota Board of Medical Practice. We'll be doing that in the next four to six weeks. We know that it's going to cost hundreds of thousands of dollars. We understand that this is not about Scott Jensen, a family doctor in the trenches, simply trying to speak his his mind. This is about the hair salon person whose office is inspected by a permitting source. This is about the restaurant or pub owner who has to have their license renewed annually or whatever. This is about every nurse, doctor, dentist who, if you will, practices their livelihood under some form of a regulatory agency or authority. We have got to hold together and say, enough is enough. We have our First Amendment rights as well as our 14th Amendment rights. So, Michelle, we came out and announced this four days ago. We set a goal of $100,000 to raise. We raised that in the first 50 hours. Wow. We got a stretch goal of $150,000. We went past that this morning. We now have been so graciously provided with funding from across the world by people who say, this matters. This matters so much more than people might realize. So now we're on offense. We're asking the courts, get involved. I've been harassed and denied my First Amendment rights for too long. Here we go. Yeah, and not to mention the point that you've gotten to right now to even get your your um, all the things that they've investigated. You've had to pay legal fees throughout that while you were campaigning. So those are there is financial loss for every person that has something brought against their license. So just because somebody can just decide they want to say something bad about Nurse Michelle forces me to have to go lawyer up and spend money of my own and go do something with it. It's unjust. It shouldn't be. If you're going to make a claim against somebody, you should at least have to show your face and say what your claim is and have to testify inside of a actual court setting if you're going to make something like that. So something that's not quite so bureaucratic. I love what Jordan Peterson said during your interview, and he is saying something that I think everyone needs to hear that's out there. If you're a licensed professional and you're out there listening, just about several of the professions he just listed, we know that throughout this pandemic, there are bars that have forced litigation on them, that claims have been made about hairstyle salons and things like that. If Jordan Peterson's words were, you're living in a fool's paradise if you don't think this is coming for you. So you better prepare. The weapons, fords of regulatory practice need to be scuttled. He's saying the weapons need to be scuttled. Everything that's going on that's happened with these agencies, these agencies have done harm throughout the country in different ways. And his opinion was that they needed to be scuttled. And what's that going to take is actual litigation against these agencies to expose the practices, whatever the rules are that they justified these actions from and getting some kind of reform happening. I'm not only are you seeking justice, you're probably also hoping to reform the situation there in Minnesota. So this never happens to medical professionals again. Is that correct? That's absolutely correct. We need to accomplish two things in this case. We need this. We need the courts to identify with precision that line and tell regulatory agencies, you do not belong on the other side of that line. And we need the regulatory agencies to understand that regardless of how the statute's written in the state constitutions, 
It has got to be fixed if they are on the wrong line. Legislatures across the country should be fixing this, but they haven't. Right. Exactly. He says Republican conservative legislators wake up and understand that this is a catastrophe going on right under your noses and we need you to do something to change Change it. it. Now, Now, when we come back after the break, we're going to discuss that a little bit more and go into some more details with Dr. Jensen. So we'll see you on the other side of the break. When sickness struck my 76-year-old parents' home recently, we made sure they had the Genesis Fogger running. If you have vulnerable loved ones who you would like to help protect from airborne viruses, or you run a business where you have a lot of public coming in and out of your shop, be sure to check out the Genesis Fogger in the banner bar on AmericaOutloud.com and get one in your shop or in your home soon. We are hearing more and more about COVID outbreaks starting up again, not to mention so many people injured by the vaccines looking for spike recovery. If you are looking for health care from quality doctors who are not shoving the mainstream agenda down your throat, and you would like your doctors to be people who have the same values that align with your own, remember two of America Out Loud sponsors are TWC, The Wellness Company, and MyFreeDoctor.com. Be sure to check them out and let them help you. Remember, all of our shows go to podcasts typically a day or two after the broadcast is heard on talk radio. You can hear them on Spotify, Stitcher, Pandora, and iHeart Podcasts, and many more. Be sure you subscribe and rate the show on Apple Podcasts for me. Be sure to make America Out Loud your daily stop for the latest news and happenings. We all must do our part and share the stories, the articles, the podcasts, and videos so we can help secure America's future. It really is up to each of us to share this information. When we come back after the break, we will talk about the two books published by Dr. Scott Jensen. You'll be able to purchase a copy of his book, both of them, in the America Out Loud bookstore on americaoutloud.com, and you can find links in my show notes for anything specifically discussed during this show at americaoutloud.com slash nursesoutloud, and just look for Nurse Michelle, and you'll find Dr. Scott Jensen's story. It's time and this is We know you love the versatility and portability of the Genesis Fogger, but sometimes you just want to set it and forget it. Well, we heard you. Introducing the UX4 HOCL Atomizer. This stationary unit quietly protects you and is perfect for smaller spaces. With over a quarter million units sold in Japan, it's now available in the United States. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud to see the UX4 in action and receive a 15% discount on either Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you're ready for anything. World-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company launched the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. The Wellness Company's chief medical board designed every supplement and medical protocol with your health in mind. From groundbreaking supplements like the Spike Support Formula to unique care like Freedom from Big Pharma. 
Join a healthcare system that puts your health and well-being above the interest of Big Pharma's bottom line. It's the way healthcare should be, with a company that shares your values. Go to outloudcare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. America Outloud beats to the pulse of our nation. We know when you're angry, you're troubled, confused, glad, and thankful. Well, we know you because we are you. AmericaOutloud.com. Join us as we explore the most important issues of our time. America Out Loud Talk Radio. The liberty and justice for all. These days, every time you turn on the news, it seems like there's a new threat to your health. Maintaining a strong immune system has never been more critical. Advanced Nutrition Company, Healthy Cell, created Immune Super Boost to help you strengthen your immunity. Unlike other supplements that don't work, Immune Super Boost is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed nutrients proven to support immunity, like vitamin C, D3, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea. These physician-formulated gels come in a small gel pack. Tear off the top and shoot it down, or mix it in water. Boost your immunity. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. Millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-haul effects of the toxic spike protein. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at the Wellness Company designed their spike support formula to counteract harmful spike protein from COVID-19 and vaccines so you can feel your best. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. It's time and this is Welcome back to Nurses Out Loud. I'm here with Dr. Scott Jensen, and we're going to pick up where we left off I wanted everyone to know that he is an avid pilot and writer, and he has published a book in 2015 that we're going to talk about and a recent book that I'm going to make sure is available in my show notes. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more. We can start with the 2015 book and what was the um, motivation behind that book? Well, thank you, Michelle. You know, I've been so lucky in my medical career I was growing up in the 1960s, and I actually remember the discussions about Medicare and Medicaid. And I remember the 1970s when the costs were exorbitant and HMOs were introduced into the world. And I remember in medical school in 1978, the percentage of the gross domestic product in America that would go towards healthcare was 7%. And the question was, would it ever get to double digits? And now, it's nearing 20%. I remember the 1980s and the 1990s. And as I saw this unfold, what bothered me as a physician of 35 plus years was it seemed very clear that patients were becoming relegated to the role of being a pawn. And they felt it. In 2015, I wrote a book called Relationship Matters. And I use patient stories, real patient stories, and I try to use these stories to help people understand what happened 
to healthcare? Why are so many patients feeling like the relationship they've had with their doctor or clinic is fracturing? And it really centers around this one really important spiral. And the spiral is this. When a patient sees a doctor, the patient needs to know that the doctor is going to be their advocate. They need to know that the doctor is in that corner so that if the patient gets bloodied and bruised in the boxing ring of life, they can go to the corner and get patched up. They'll hear an understanding voice. But what was happening was that advocacy was missing. What that led to was physician discontent. The patients weren't trusting them. The patients weren't responding to the physician, how high should I jump when you tell me to jump? What had happened was this idea of trust causing increased advocacy, which would cause increased trust, it becomes a cycle. So that a patient goes in, trusts the doctor to a certain level, the doctor makes it clear he or she is advocating, the patient trusts more, and it, it gets going, and that's where your best healthcare is. That's patient-centered healthcare. We're losing that. We've got HOs, we've got insurers, we've got pharmacy benefit managers, we've got all kinds of formulas for how to take care of people better. But the fact is, the amount of money we spend keeps going up, the quality of care isn't, the, long span, the lifespan isn't, and patients are feeling increasingly uh, disconnected. So that was my first book. I would never have known, Michelle, that five years later, I'd be writing a second book called We've Been Played, Exposing the Triad of Tyranny. And that triad of tyranny is big pharma, big tech, and big government. And if people aren't aware of that, I would hope that they just really listen up. Think about it. Big tech doing the wishes of big government. Big government and politicians always getting the biggest dollars from big pharma. Big pharma knowing it can rely on big tech to do its bidding, to help justify why Pfizer would make more than 50% of its gross revenues from one product in a given year for which it has no liability. A remarkable thing for a corporation. This second book I wrote, I started it out with a quote from George Orwell. In a time of universal deceit, telling the truth becomes a revolutionary act. That's the way I feel. That's what I think is happening. We've moved so far from where we want to be. During the course of this pandemic, people have asked me, Dr. Jensen, have your colleagues been there for you? Well, in a word, no. Did they want to be? I think so. Oftentimes where I got the, the boldest and strongest support was from nurses. Nurses who said, I've had enough. I know exactly what you're saying, Dr. Jensen, and I'm going to stand with you, even if I lose my job. I received a text today, Michelle, from a nurse who's lost her job, in part because she commented on a podcast about Dr. Jordan Peterson and I. This is astonishing. Physicians would have liked to have been more supportive, but they feared for their very jobs. 75% of doctors work for 
large corporations or hospitals. And they knew that if they came out and questioned death certificates or questioned the efficacy of masks or stood strong for natural immunity, all of these things would put them in harm's way. So it's been interesting that over the last few months, I've seen more physicians, more nurses, so to speak, come out of the woodwork and say, hey, we're standing with you. And I appreciate it. But it's been an, it's been an arduous journey. And I, I would never have guessed that it would happen. If people want to buy the book, they can get it at uh, drscottjensenbook.com, D-R-S-C-O-T-T-J-E-N-S-E-N-B-O-O-K.com. For 20 bucks a book, you can get them both right there. But I think we really need to make it clear to all people that if we want to restore to patients high-quality health care that patients value, we've got to recognize what's going on. During the course of this pandemic, people have asked me, did I have the latitude, did I have the independence to prescribe what I thought my patients might benefit most from? I remember doing a podcast with Zev Zelenko before he passed. We talked about that at length. I've learned so much from people like Dr. Peter McCullough, Dr. Harvey Reich, Dr. Jay Budichara, Scott Atlas, Johnny Onidas. The list goes on and on. Dr. Drew, Tony Robbins. But the interesting thing for me is that regardless of how I feel, I might have been hamstrung by regulatory agencies. What really strikes at my heart is how many options patients were denied. The number of patients that would call me on the phone, come into my office and weep from fear that there were no choices other than this false binary. Either get better on your own or go home and get wait till you get sick enough that you land in the hospital. And at that point in time, we're in charge. Ventilators might be necessary. Never mind that the fatality rate on ventilators can get as high as 80%. And a lot of the options you might have had earlier on are now gone because you're too sick. Yeah, the very reason why you and I are even meeting each other is because I was that patient in 2020 as a nurse who woke up to the NIH guidelines that were going on there that were going to absolutely silence me as a person advocating for myself because, of course, the National Guard kept any loved one from coming in there and advocating for me. I was alone in that COVID unit. I was alone to learn that there was things not available to me, like basic things like nebulization that the NIH had said I couldn't have. And it was just so nonsensical that I felt like that's what happened was a wake up call for this nurse that if a nurse can't find her own way to advocate for herself and she's got to go out there and literally fight for medical equipment, fight for anything because the NIH made policies against medical equipment, then what would happen for somebody who didn't even know what to advocate for? And, and sadly, the reason why my platform even got started, that we even would even come to know each other is because my people were perishing for lack of knowledge. They absolutely needed to know how to take care of themselves at home because all of their doctors in the hundreds and thousands, and it just became thousands upon tens of thousands, were not there for them. They just said, well, when you can't breathe anymore, go to the hospital. And sadly, they were alone then. And you doctors were aware of what was happening inside the hospitals and knew that these patients were abandoned and needed help. So it is a sad state of affairs for this entire country. Thank good. Actually, we're recognizing that someone like Dr. Scott Jensen is awake in 2015 to recognize that there's a need for a solution. And here we are in 2020, um, 2023, eight years later, 
recognizing how much of a need we need this parallel medical system to come in place. And also, I'll let you go ahead and expound on that, though, before I say something else about that. Well, I think one of the comments I've shared with people across the nation, across the globe, I was on a, a Zoom call yesterday with a group of physicians and scientists from Wales, Scotland, Ireland, and Britain, uh, Great Britain, England. And uh, today I was on uh, in the Netherlands. But I've said this, if it can happen to me, it can happen to you. And that's regarding the investigation of my license and the people who wanted to squash my message, my voice. But you also have had that same experience, Michelle, but it wasn't right away about your license. It was about your life. Right. It was, if it could happen to you, it could happen to anybody. And imagine it happening to someone without your expertise of, well, gee, was, what about a beta agonist? What about a steroid inhaler? What about an anti-inflammatory agent, an antihistamine? What are we going to do? We've never done that before when we treat influenza. An awful lot of people don't remember the powerful story, Michelle, of the 1976 Legionnaire's disease. Because if you go back, that came out of Philadelphia. And people got sick and they went home from this uh, American Legion convention and they were getting sick, getting pneumonia, and they were dying. And we were doing everything we could to treat them. We treated them with aminoglycosides, et cetera, et cetera. And they kept on dying. We gave the best medicines we had. What did we do? Did we stop trying and call for Dr. Tony Fauci? Well, of course not. We kept trying. We tried other things. We repurposed drugs. And you know what stopped that? It was a good old-fashioned drug called erythromycin. All of a sudden, a macrolide stopped this process, and people with Legionnaire's disease no longer had to die. This was huge. And it seems that we've forgotten this lesson from almost a half a century ago. And you fortunately survived. And if you hadn't survived, imagine how many people would not have heard your voice, would not have had their hope increased by you, would not have had the inspiration that you give to people by saying, we can push through this and by George, we will. Yeah, the verse you use regarding Esther, that for such a time as this, that you're here, I try to remind my listeners, and you're definitely of the same passion on the same subject, that this fingerprint of Dr. Scott Jensen is only here during this time. It has never been here before. It will never be here again. It is here for such a time as this. All the experiences of his life that he brings to the table in 2020 are valid. His words are valid. We at least need to be able to have a right to say our valid opinions based on the experience that one individual is capable of coming up with on their own. So whoever was the individual who came up with the erythromycin for the Legionnaire's disease clearly saved lives. And what should have happened during this outbreak is for people to be roundtable discussing freely and that data being put together and shared. And sadly, it was among the censored that the most valuable information was being shared and censored, sadly, but the people were surviving. Yeah, to that point, I think one of the things that really emerged through this pandemic for me is the value of every voice Every one of us can be a hero. I was struck by the fact that so many of the people I learned the most from, 
during the course of the three years, whether I was listening to a podcast, reading an article, reading a perspective, whether it was in the New Yorker, the Atlantic, a medical journal, whatever, but an awful lot of the times, my best insights were gained by people who did not have MD or PhD after their name. I have told people over and over again, you can and should think for yourself. People have asked me, Michelle, gee, doc, how in the world did you know all this? I didn't. I didn't go into this thinking that I was going to be this big fancy whistleblower. Quite frankly, I have more often than not felt like Jonah in the Old Testament, where he was called to do some tough duty in Nineveh. And he ran from it. He went, he said, no, I'd rather have a cruise on the Mediterranean. And then a whale got in the way. Well, I think I was sort of similar to that. I didn't want my life thrown upside down. I didn't want to be this point person whereby I become pen pals with the Minnesota Board of Medical Practice. This is not my choice. But again, Esther 4.14, hold, uh, you know, for such a time as this. And then I always find myself going to Hebrews 4.14, where it says, hold fast to the beliefs you profess. That's why we're having the conversation, Michelle. Quite yeah. honestly, Exodus 4.14, God's anger smoldered. We've all got to step up to the plate. Esther 4.14, for such a time as this. Hebrews 4.14, hold fast to the beliefs you profess. That's why we're here. And I'm so glad that you were able to assert at some level for yourself three years ago. Again, I think some of the key words that I've shared along the way for people is, if it can happen to me, it can happen to you. And we have been played. And I think when I look at why me, why was I put in that spot? I would say it's because I'm sort of a born skeptic. I always like Carl Sagan's words, the great scientist, astronomist. He said, science requires uncompromising skepticism. Uncompromising skepticism. I'm also a guy who believes a lot in context. If someone tells me, isn't it horrible? Two people drowned last year in America. I would say, yeah, that's horrible. But three million people died last year. So if someone tells me four people died in Minnesota yesterday, I also would say, to them, actually, four people died of that in Minnesota. But every day in Minnesota, 130 people die. When you have context, you can start to digest what's gone on. Same thing with information. I was given access to more information than a lot of people had because I was in the Senate. I was running for governor. I held strong to accountability. Can we forgive and forget? Absolutely not. Can we be gracious and kind? Absolutely we can. Should we go and harpoon people who took a while to get to our vantage point or who still don't agree with us? Absolutely not. We shouldn't. We should have conversations. We should always try to carve out some common ground and see if we can't build from there. That's what we've got to do. Bottom line. I think that Christians often forget that Jesus himself uh, took his time making a rope to go turn over some tables, and it was less than diplomatic to do so because something was unjust that was going on, and he felt he needed to confront. He confronted the darkness, the evil that was going on at that time, and we are now in the generation, the group of 2023, who are going to pursue justice. Absolutely, and I think another thing that some of us had an inside track on was the issue of reality. What reality are we dealing with? Are we dealing with the real reality of a pandemic? Or are we dealing with the reality that's being staged? Because if we're dealing with the staged reality, someone needs to intrude on that theater and say, no, 
Here's the real thing. That's what's happening. And then I think lastly, we need to turn to the electorate. We need to turn to all the people and say, you're good enough. You're smart enough. Your viewpoint matters. Do not go like lemmings to the sea. Wow. I love what um, Jordan Peterson said during your interview. He said, all professionals listening, it would be better for you in the long run to wake up and smell the coffee. When you have someone like Dr. Jensen with his stellar record being attacked, silence is not in your best interest. And you gave a quote from Moeller. Would you like to tell the audience about that quote? You're actually referring to Martin Niemoller. Niemoller. Now, 1946, I think he wrote it. And basically, he wrote an essay or a poem that went something like this. When they came for the social scientists, I didn't speak up because I wasn't a social scientist. When they came for the communists, I didn't speak up because I wasn't a communist. And when they came for the Jews, I didn't speak up because I wasn't a Jew. And when they came for me, there was no one left to speak up. That's why I tell people, whether you agree with me or not, whether we disagree on 95% of it, we still have to stand with one another, that we get to speak. We have to recognize those layers of squashing voices. There's the big layer. There's that big tech and big government collusion that went on on Facebook and Twitter and TikTok. That's huge. But there's another layer of suppression and censorship. And that's the regulatory agencies. That's the licensing authorities. That's the permitting groups. That's all of those. And then there's that last and most dastardly form of suppression. And that's when in our neighborhoods, in our businesses, our churches, in our circles of friendship, when we start to censor one another, when we say, I won't talk with you because you're out of bounds. When we at that level start to censor and suppress one another, we've really gotten in a dark space. And so that's part of my message, Michelle, is that, yes, I powerfully want to hold people accountable. And I want to understand better in the future, the reality we live in. And I want us to recognize staged realities quicker than we did this time. The models were all wrong right from the get-go. And we need to lean in to the electorate in every country around the world. Because the electorate are the people who have to live by some of these proclamations. I can't tell you how disgusted I was to watch some of the political fat cats go out and tell the people, we're locking your business down. We're not going to let you do this. But by the way, these rules are for you, not for me, because I'm going to go to my swanky dinner and I'm not going to be wearing masks. This is the legacy of this COVID pandemic. So Michelle, in closing, I would just like to say, if people want to get on board and help us out, we are going to go all the way. We want the courts to get involved. People can go to givesendgo.com slash Scott Jensen. They can buy my book at drscottjensenbook.com. But I hope that they remember always the words that I closed my last book with, because they were the words that I thought more than anything I would want to leave an audience with. Follow your conscience, free from fear, coercion, and deceit. Realize the power of shared voices and know this alone. There is so much we cannot do, but together there is so little we cannot do. It's been a pleasure to work with you, Michelle. We're going to get some stuff done. Yeah. I love this. Such an encouragement for us not to let anyone divide us. The the power is with the people. 
We want to come together, stop letting them successfully divide us on issues. Let's find each other, find your tribe, align yourself with the doctors that are fighting for the people who've been here for the people and let's make a difference and pursue justice. Thank you so much, Dr. Uh, Jensen, for coming today. You're very welcome. Minnesota, how very fortunate you are to have such a doctor in your state serving you for over 30 years. You were blessed to have him as a state senator and you almost had him as a governor. If he runs again, make sure such a man of integrity who fights for the people gets in office next time. Dr. Jensen was one of the early signers of the Great Barrington Declaration. The declaration was written from a global public health and humanitarian perspective with special concerns about how the COVID-19 strategies forced our children, the working class, and the poor to carry the heaviest burden. The response to the pandemic in many countries around the world focused on lockdowns, contract tracing, and isolation, imposing enormous, unnecessary health costs on people. In the long run, choices made by public health authorities were predicted by the signers to lead to higher COVID and non-COVID mortality. The signers offered an alternative, the focused protection plan called for in the declaration. This is an intentional international declaration that was written with concerns for the entire world. It was written for the public, fellow scientists, and government officials. The declaration was written by Drs. Bhutachara, Gupta, and Koldorf. They also recorded a video outlining their alternative to the current COVID-19 strategy. The declaration was first signed on October 4th, 2020, after which it was sent to scientific colleagues and it was released to the public on October 5th, 2020. Presently, there are nearly 1 million signatures with over 47,000 medical practitioners signing, over 16,000 medical and public health scientists signing, and over 800,000 concerned citizens from around the world also signed. I'll provide a link in my show notes if you would like to read the declaration and sign it yourself. Presently, Dr. Jensen is pursuing justice against the Minnesota Board of Medical Practice. They have investigated Dr. Jensen six times, as you heard in today's show, involving numerous false allegations raised against him. Recently, that same board dismissed all the allegations. Their case against him is now closed. But for three years, while he was a sitting senator and while he was running for governor for the state of Minnesota, hovering over his work and hindering his ability to speak to the issues of the day for the people of Minnesota was the medical board of Minnesota. If they can do it to him, they can do it to you. His constitutional rights to have free speech as identified by the First Amendment of the U.S. Constitution and protected in the states by the 14th Amendment, he is fulfill, filing a suit in federal court because his freedom of speech and his civil rights were violated like so many others. This is not just about physicians. This is about anyone who labors under the jurisdiction of regulatory agencies 
licensing authorities, and any type of permitting process that takes place through the government. That includes things like restaurants, pubs, hair salons, dentists, nursing businesses, the list goes on and on. He is asking the courts to help draw the line. Where is free speech versus professional conduct as it relates to the practice of medicine? Because that line determines where the Medical Board of Minnesota can play ball. He's going to take it as far as needed to find justice. In Dr. Jensen's own words, we are all in this together. We have all seen so much censorship, so much suppression, so much intrusion into all of our First Amendment's rights. Never mind the name calling that has come with it for all of us. This one is on all of us. No one gets to sit in the cheap seats. We all get to get in the arena. We fight this battle because the war is not over. When it comes to government expansion and intrusion into our lives, it's still happening. He would sure appreciate your help. His campaign needs help to raise funds and it is a major legal battle. And right now on Gibson Go, his campaign top, is a top, top trending campaign. Please donate to Dr. Jensen's cause because he is fighting for all of us. You can go to givesendgo.com slash Scott Jensen. Nurses Out Loud audience, remember, we are in a war for truth and it is time for justice. You can make a difference. Share Dr. Jensen's story. Help him fight this fight for all of us. Until next week. It's time